Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science, science. can just peacefully. This was their finest. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. So guys, uh, last episode we talked about kelp forests. The best forests. Oh. Much better than other types of forests because wow. they're tastier. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're a very neoliberal pod. Yep. All right. We're not preservationists. We're conservationists. Oh, right? shit. Which means we could conserve these natural resources to exploit them. <laughs> and that's the whole theme of episode two, exploitation. <laughs> How do we exploit the kelp forests that we need to survive climate change? Right, exactly. You know, last time it was about kelp force au natural. Oh, natural beauty, natural situations, and all yeah. the biodiversity and stuff. Yeah. But this is about what can we get out of it? Yeah. We live in a capitalist society. Right. We okay. grew up in the shadow of Boeing and like ExxonMobil. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, that's what we believe in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, in this episode, hey, those kelp forests, what can we get out of it? This week on Petri Dish. So, you know, whenever you say photosynthesis, I get this tiny little tiny chub, right? Because... <laughs> can, can you say it? I didn't even mean for that. I'm so used to that being an expression that I forgot what it refers to. Oh, sure. Okay, so I get a little chubby. Whenever you mention photosynthesis, vis-a-vis -vis climate change, right? Because if something can photosynthesize, maybe it could save us. I like how uh, you went to revise it and still kept it about your penis. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have not, you know. But anyway, uh, yes. So that is true, I think, that because climate change, hey, it's in the air. Yeah. Everyone's thinking about it. Yeah, you and, breathe climate change every day. So every time that anyone, you, you could talk about like a grass or something, people right. are like, oh, can we use that to fix climate change? Right, that's happening. And that's true of kelp forests. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, there is the natural carbon cycle that's been going on, you know, ever since the planet's been around. Right. right? And in that, you have a lot of carbon dioxide that's in the air. Some of it enters into the oceans because right. most of our surface is covered in ocean. Right. And then once it's in there, one of the things that can happen to that carbon dioxide is it can be utilized by all of the photosynthetic dudes in the water yeah. and turned into sugars through photosynthesis. So what's the percent of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere again? I don't know. It's like 80%, right? No, not <laughs> that much. Yeah. Much lower, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, how much is it in water? I mean, how much of carbon dioxide is just like floating around in water? Uh, I mean, I think there's more gas form of carbon dioxide, but there's always a sizable percentage that's buffered in the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And it can be in a couple of different forms. So it could be in a bicarbonate or carbonate 
phase in the water. All right. But it can also just be literally carbon dioxide dissolved in the water. Because okay. gases can be dissolved in water. Okay, cool. Well, let's just like, just pump a bunch of carbon dioxide in the ocean then. GG. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole ocean acidification thing that's going on, right? Oh, okay, that's so, bad. So you don't want too much in the ocean right. and everything like that. The ocean has been getting more acidic uh, yeah. over time. That's bad for a lot of shit. Yeah, there's a lot of things that don't like it. When don't like changing pH. Yeah, 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 it's not great. Um, so that's kind of in the background, but it is true that those photosynthetic dudes, they do use up some of that carbon dioxide that's in the water yeah. to make the sugars that go into their cell walls or that they use for energy to eat up, right? And so there's an entire circle of life kind of thing that happens. Yeah. Or like, sure, the plants or the seaweed or kelp or whatever, they all do photosynthesis. And then something comes along and eats a little bit of the kelp or whatever, yeah. right? And then it uses that for energy and then it burps out some carbon dioxide. And in that sense, the carbon dioxide gets cycled, right? Yeah. So it doesn't stay anywhere. It just gets right. released again. You know, there's a girl I dated once and I failed her uh, litmus test. She asked me, she's like, what's pH? And I was like, oh, it's a measure of temperature. And she walked out. Damn, dude. She's like, I can't be with a guy this dumb. Why did you say those words? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the entire fake vignette? <laughs> <laughs> I guess both in that sense. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so basically, in that sense of the carbon cycle, anything that gets fixed by those plants, if something eats those plants or whatever, it gets yeah. released again. Right. right. But every once in a while, some of the kelp, for example will, instead of being eaten by something, will kind of break away. Right. And then will sink into the deep, deep ocean. Right. Deep, deep ocean. With plastic. <laughs> There's probably some plastic down there, yeah. Yeah, isn't there but, like a lot of plastic down there or something? Uh, I think, didn't they look in some spots and they're like, oh, there's more plastic here than we thought? Yeah, something yeah. Something like that. Because a lot of stuff, isn't it called like snow or something? Like a lot of shit drifts to the bottom yeah, of the Yeah, there's ocean. marine snow. Marine yeah. snow. So kelp becomes marine snow. Yeah, well, and sometimes it just drifts down in much bigger bunches of it. Yeah. And then sometimes falls into parts of the ocean where there's, like, not really that many things living. Right. And the idea is that in the deep, deep seafloor of the ocean, yeah. there are just chunks of kelp that are slowly becoming stuff like oil. That oh, basically that's interesting. That basically nothing is really eating it right. for centuries. Right. Maybe even longer. Yeah. And that instead of being eaten and releasing the CO2, you're actually trapping that CO2 down there at the bottom of the seafloor. But, I mean, I, I saw that BBC documentary, Deep Blue Sea, or whatever it was called. And, you know, in it, like, they showed a whale fall. I feel like, I thought, we used to think it was all dead down there, but actually at the seafloor, there's, like, all sorts of weird little critters that are eating shit all the time. I thought it was actually very, like, vibrant, kind of like a, like a goth version of Under the Sea, that song. Yeah, I think we're talking about different levels of seafloor depth. You're talking like really deep. Yeah, deep, deep. Deep, only James Cameron's gone that deep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. But he lives down there, so yeah, he yeah, knows yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yeah, he, he's like, I think just Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> James Cameron like lives for thousands of years, and he just like happened to want to have a career in Hollywood mm. briefly, like he gave it a go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, he'll eventually descend back into the depths and become Namor. Wow, you just switched over, huh? I think he's more of a Namor. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because if Jason Momoa is going to go ahead and be Aquaman, then like clearly James Cameron's got a different thing going that on. That would be a pretty funny crossover event. <laughs> Jason Momoa is Aquaman, and James Cameron is Namor. <laughs> <laughs> Battle of the Titans. Wow. Yeah, 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 that'd be fucked up. Yeah. Um, 
So, theoretically, and I would say that we know a little bit about this process, but not boatloads about it, because it is it's very, It's really very deep. deep. Again, only James Cameron's been there. But there should be some kelp and shit going all the way yeah. deep down and just kind of falling down there. And in that sense, the carbon really does get trapped instead of getting released by stuff. That's smart. So we could just, like, take all our trash and just put it in the deep, deep sea. And, like, not have this problem with, like, a lot of things, right? Well, I think, as you were alluding to, some of our trash is in the deep We deep do sea. do that. It's already our policy. Uh, yeah, I think it's already happening. We're going to build back better on land. <laughs> we're not worried about the deep, deep sea, you know what I mean? So, so then, basically, one of our options, then, for being able to use something like seaweed or kelp for our own purposes yeah. to sequester carbon. Right. right. So that means taking carbon dioxide out of the air or whatever and getting that into something more permanent. Is to put it in the deep, deep sea. Basically. Sink it. Right. So basically to try to grow kelp and seaweed. Right. And then figure out good ways to get them to fall down into the deep ocean. Right. Okay. So to kind of get into that idea a little bit, let me describe what a kelp farm looks like. Right. Okay. Because... In the last episode, we talked about natural kelp forests. They're very vertical. They got these tall, giant kelps, right? And they're like, right, right, right. And there's like stuff swimming through it, right? Yeah, and octopuses. Lots of octopuses. And men looking for octopuses. They're doing stuff. That's a new FX show. Men looking for man looking for octopus. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it's the same guy too. Yeah, it's a spinoff, but it's a little edgier. Yeah, it's a lot edgier. It's on FXXX. Yeah, oh damn, dude. Yeah, dude. Triple X. That's a good channel. Um, okay, well, what does a kelp farm look like? So kelp farms, instead of being vertical, so instead of being up and down, yeah. right, they're horizontal. So oh. basically, it's like a rope strung between two buoys. Ah, uh, okay. You know about buoys. Yeah. Yeah, they're little floating fuckers. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's good. We're doing a lot of fun sound effects today. Yeah, we I don't know if you guys noticed. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you have basically uh, some rope strung between these two buoys. And so the rope is underwater some depth between the two buoys. Right. But it's just making kind of like a big U-shape, right? Okay. And then on that U-shape is a bunch of little tiny kelp dudes kind of strung along on that rope. So that's just a lot easier than fastening something to the seafloor and having it grow vertically? Right, yes. And also... If it's all the way down on the seafloor, depending on where it is on the coast or something yeah. like that, the seafloor might be pretty deep. There yeah. might not be enough water to get the kelp growing first. Yeah. Right? So, in this way, you can have it be at a certain depth so that they're getting plenty of light. Mm. And it's getting the same amount of light all along the rope. Okay. Well, that's right? cool. And so, usually what happens is you'll grow them on that rope. And sure, maybe the, from the rope... Each individual kelp will maybe like grow down a little bit or grow up a little bit. Right. You know, it'll grow out some, but it's not nearly as vertical as a true kelp forest is, right? So, I mean, is it like not actually a very useful environment for things? Like, these are like really farms. Right. And in that sense, we don't really want it to be a good environment. Because the whole point is that like if stuff ate it, it wouldn't work as carbon sequestering because then they just poop out. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I do think that there's an important sort of bifurcation of purposes here. Right. right. Again, we're not preservationists in right, this episode. Right, We're not trying to conserve... I, I think we should. Yeah. I think we should No, no, you and I both don't want to preserve <laughs> natural environments. <laughs> we're like French gardeners in the 1600s. We want to show our deist mastery yes, over yeah, the universe. Yes. Exert our will over nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least for this episode, that's what we are. <laughs> yeah. So we don't want a good kelp environment because we don't want that much stuff eating our kelp. Right, right. We don't want it to be a nice environment for all the other shit. 
per se. We'll yeah. we'll get into a later section of this episode, aquaculture. Yeah. Where maybe we're gonna mix a few things. Right. But we're not trying to form a full blown fucking biome here. Right. It is a farm. Yeah. It's a farm and we're trying to grow kelp. Yeah, like that's yeah. the point here. Right. And so we got these horizontal lines, right? And the thing about kelp forests in general is that uh, they typically grow over the winter and reach maximum mass by about May. Okay. And then after wow. May into the summertime, we talked about this last episode, kelp actually doesn't like warm water. Right. right. So actually starting at May, you start to see the big fronds, the leaves kind of dissolve away and stuff like that. I so guess you that's interesting. Mass. So you could actually do kelp farming in places that kelp wouldn't naturally really stay because it's irrelevant if it lives through the summer. Yes, that's true. Right, that's cool. Um, so typically, kelp farms then will have a growing season, and then you harvest that kelp yeah. or do something with yeah. it, and then you can reseed more kelp yeah. for the next season. So do you think environmentalists are going to fuck up my yachting space with their kelp farms? Um, which is why you need to contact your local municipal board, okay, for single yacht zoning. All that, right? That is funny. There is a lot of, uh, I mean, we'll get into some yeah. of the <laughs> potential downfalls or issues of using kelp for carbon sequestration yeah but like the oceans are very big so that's true yeah but some chunks of that open ocean are used for shit like shipping and stuff like that right and they might not be like thrilled if they're just like don't i get stuck in sargassum yeah they're just like driving through kelp forests and getting there's all only so many ways to eat sargassum exactly yeah exactly yeah so one way that you can try to carbon sequester using a kelp farm so instead of trying to harvest the kelp to eat it Right? Eating its next episode. Yeah. But what you can do for this episode where we're trying to trap the carbon somewhere. Right, because that's still not useful for carbon sequestering is if you just eat the kelp. <laughs> right. Yeah. Koreans produce 30% of all methane in the atmosphere. They're pooping. Yeah. And burping. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what you could do is you could make buoys that are biodegradable. Oh, that's cool. So there's a company called Running Tide. Oh, and their nice. whole... Yeah, I mean, you know. So. Sounds like a good video game. It actually <laughs> sounds like a bad video game. Yeah. It's like parkour or something. Yeah. But like, in the ocean. <laughs> You're ocean a parkour, parkour. crab! So it's like, kind of slow <laughs> running on yeah. the wet beach. <laughs> like, jump over a crab or something like that. Parkour! And you, like, parkour off a sea turtle. Sounds like a, a Wii U <laughs> exercise app yeah. for the elderly. Yep, yep, love it. Okay, um, okay. So... Uh, running Tide. Running Tide is making these yeah. biodegradable buoys that basically you would have the rope with the kelp in between them. Yeah. And as the kelp is growing larger, it's getting heavier. Mm. Simultaneously, the buoys are dissolving. So oh. that around May or something, the buoys would be totally dissolved. The rope is heavy now with the kelp. And so it just sinks. So it just sink down. Sweet. So the idea would be kind of automatically carbon sequestering big batches of kelp into the deep ocean. That's smart. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of tweaking there. Yeah. Lots of times things that biodegrade don't necessarily do it at a pace that you're expecting. So, yeah. like, I think there's a lot of stuff to figure out. Sure, sure. But that's a very interesting idea. There's another company that's taking a little uh, different tack at it. It's Pull to Refresh. Bad name. Yeah, well, it's related to some tech stuff. You know what I'm uh, talking about, Pull to Refresh, right? Oh. Um, but the reason why they're called that is because they're using a fancier approach with solar-powered robots. Okay. And the solar-powered so. robots would have the rope kind of running off of them and they would pull that rope into you know the optimum areas for the kelp to be growing as time changes and stuff like that so they're basically keeping that entire line of kelp alive in deep ocean water areas i think those kelp farmers need to unionize dude all those mermen man you'd be mermen united yeah right yeah. can't let uh, silicon valley 
All right. Well, it's yeah, it's fine. Mechanized. But Polter Refresh has like Elon Musk money behind it. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah, it's got some musky money. Uh-oh. Anyway, and then this line is also not just like your regular old rope. Yeah. It actually has little tiny like holes in it for micronutrients to be released to feed the kelp. That's cool. So that you can do it in areas that are nutrient poor normally. Oh. But you can like put out little bits of iron and nitrogen and phosphorus Ooh. to help grow the kelp out. And in that case, what you're really trying to do, instead of dropping that entire line, you would have the kelp growing on it, but then it would keep growing, keep growing, and then get kind of long. And then as you're driving it around, some parts would rip off. Yeah. And the idea is those parts that rip off would f sink down. And since you're already in deep ocean, or parts of the ocean that are already deep water ocean, yeah, they would just sink and sink and sink all the way down until they got deposited down there. And so that's more of like a trying to grow it constantly over time sort of thing. It sounds like a cute Pixar film is like... A thousand years after humans have already died off is just like a little robot doing its kelp farm in the middle of the ocean. And yeah. like by then, little critters have evolved to eat it and talks to like some fucking dolphin or something. Yeah, Dolphins yeah. It's like, like a fun, uh, you know, like Wally e too. Yeah, it's like a Wally e thing. Yeah. Wally e too. Deep blue sea. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow, are you a genius? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, biodegradable buoys and solar powered ocean robots are like about as far apart on the spectrum of solutions that yeah. I could possibly think of. That's true. But both of them are attempts trying to tackle the same kind of approach yeah. of sinking that kelp. Yeah. So uh, there are, of course, some complications with this whole process. First of all is how are we supposed to know that the carbon is actually getting sequestered? Right. Yes, We're just kind of hoping it actually drifts into the deep, deep ocean. Right. And, you know, part of what you alluded to with, like, your whale fall scenario is, like, are we super sure that none of this kelp's going to get eaten by anything on its way down or yeah. whatever? And then, like, also, <laughs> uh, part of all of these commercialized schemes for doing this or with the idea that they would get paid in carbon credits. Right. right. That like some other company, a manufacturer, would pay these companies to offset their carbon balance once we start pricing carbon more. Right. right. But to do that system, yeah. you need to verify that like you did offset it. Right. right. Which is like, how the fuck are you supposed to do that right. when like your way of doing it is dropping it into the deep ocean where right. no one is? Right? I think it's going to work out though. The Economist has told me this is a great idea. Oh, good. And so I think it's going to work out. Fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then second part of issues is how are you going to not fuck up some habitat somewhere by doing this? Right. Okay. Cause right now with the amount of kelp forests we have, we can sequester like a hundred million tons of carbon dioxide a year. Yeah. Which is a pretty small fraction of what we create. Yeah. It's nice that it's happening at all. So right. I'm not like poo pooing it. Yeah. But even if we doubled the amount of kelp forests by doing this, right? Yeah. If we doubled the amount that you were sequestering, that would not be enough. And you still need to put it somewhere. Right. So realistically, we're talking more like five to ten times more kelp in the oceans. Right. Where? Yeah. And when we talk about the deep ocean areas and stuff like that, it is true. People tend to think of those as like there's less animals around and stuff. Yeah. Which is true, but like there's still some animals. Can't we just put it off Florida? <laughs> because we don't care about Florida? Is that what you're saying? What's so the that's subject one. <laughs> okay, two is they already got all these algae problems, right? So, like, when you be blocking out some of that sun oh, from that algae, right? Oh, With kelp oh. instead. Oh, Nathan. Um, you cutie. Yeah. We're going to talk about that whoa, whoa, in the whoa. second part of the episode. Oh, whoa, my whoa, God. Whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. You're I didn't even read it this week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it could be things like, Wow, are whales going to start getting confused if there's, like, a shitload of kelp in random areas and stuff like that? We got to be over what's good for whales, right? What? I mean, like, well, no. I I'm, like whales. No, 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 no. 
I mean, look, I'm a conservationist. So, <laughs> no, no, I like whales too. It's just like I remember reading this one article on NPR like a couple years ago about how like shipping lanes, like 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 some scientists think that. Um, I feel weird saying scientist to you because I say it like a priesthood and you say it like a group of people. Yeah. But but anyway, so the high priesthood of science, yep. some of them postulated that whales can communicate over really vast stretches of ocean using like, oh, whoa, 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 right? Like, yep. like they can talk like that and yeah. sound travels different in water. Yeah. And that international shipping waves have like isolated whale communities. Yeah. The sound from shipping lanes have right. like basically cut off those basically like telegraph lines. Right. Or whatever and I was reading that. that and I was like, we should stop worrying about whales because they're done. <laughs> right like we're not gonna stop shipping oh, stuff be I nicer mean, to the whales no 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 no. i mean i'm just being realistic right now <laughs> it's like whales are done so we shouldn't worry about what's good for no, whales. no right? i think what we got to do is we got to design like special kinds of hearing aids for whales yeah so they can hear their own whoa, 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 better i think that's a good idea but like you know you me man we're like proletariat now we don't have that kind of well, I guess I, you're. You, well, you're. You're not a. You're, you don't have the capital to help I, fit. I whales. like to think of myself as a pro if I can. <laughs> I know it's not fair. I work on my hands. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We're both that's hands true. workers. I'm on my feet. Yeah. All right. Um, we're great. both pedophile. <laughs> Pederast. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, pe- pedo. Pedicurists. Manicurists. We're both manicurists. We both work hands. <laughs> <laughs> moving <Well>. on <laughs> holy shit we gotta move on now. i can't believe you said any of the things you just said um okay uh so you know hey giant kelp farms are they yes. going to rob the ocean of nutrients for plankton or are they going to be too much food for some other kind of thing and mm. cause some kind of imbalance in the food web probably that you know and who knows who knows okay so that some of this stuff hey not totally sure. Yeah. There's already startups that are trying to start doing these things. Yeah. So I don't even know if we're going to have time to figure it out before they do it. But, right. like, you know, whatever. It's is exciting. That... Just like spraying stuff in the atmosphere, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is yeah. that good? Brunei's going to make sure we know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, you know, just as a small note before we take a break, besides sinking kelp, we can use it for stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't all just have to be eating because as mentioned, when you eat it, yeah, that CO2 is going to get released, right? Yeah. Although, hey, at least we get something out of it, right? Right. Because kelp can also just get eaten by, like, bacteria and stuff. And then humans don't even get a cut of that pie well, before we get CO2 yeah, released. Yeah, but I mean, I get a lot out of cutting down the Amazon. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I get new furniture. Yeah, right? So it's it. like, I, I get it too. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I see all the furniture in your place. Yeah, it's actually stamped from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are other things that we can do to kelp also. Besides eating it, cool. That can extract economic value, yeah. But also maybe sequester some carbon, right? But that's next episode shit. Yeah. Okay. If you're Welsh, you can make lava bread and then give it to English people and freak them out. Yeah. It doesn't get eaten. Yeah. Right. See? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's good. Yeah. Right. That's sequestering the carbon. You sequestered the carbon <laughs> in the form of a bad gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So let's, let's take, take a, break. a break. And when we come <gasps> on back, Jinx. Oh my God. Buy me a cola. What? Yeah, okay, let's take a break, and when we get back, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about aquaculture. Ah, cool. Yep. Hey, everyone, Sean here, and I just wanted to talk to you guys about our sponsor this week, which is BetterHelp.com, BetterH-E-L-P.com. They're a service, basically, that sets you up with a counselor or therapist, and you can get set up in less than 48 hours. It all happens online. Uh, So I think maybe this has come up in a couple episodes, but I'm currently getting therapy, and I love it. I think it's really great. And I think there's a lot of people out there 
who, you know, maybe are going through life and don't even really realize that they could use a little bit of time each week to kind of work through things and contextualize their lives and feelings. And BetterHelp is a really great way that you can get that kind of resource, especially if you live in an area that doesn't have quite as much access to trained therapists. There's therapists that can help you with depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, but all kinds of other more specialized matters as well, like LGBT matters, family conflicts, and so on. And for a short period of time, BetterHelp is actually, because they're sponsoring our podcast, have a link set up, betterhelp.com slash listener, where you can get 10% off your first month of therapy for them. And so, you know, I think that it's a, it's a really important thing for people to kind of try to take care of their mental health, especially now during the pandemic. It's really kind of dragging on. I think everyone's feeling the weight of it. So if you are feeling that weight, I think it's a great time to go to betterhelp.com slash listener and give it a shot. Okay, guys, let's talk aquaculture. Yep. Okay, what's cool right now in Aqualand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> what's James Cameron doing down there in Atlantis? Yeah, James Cameron's like, I don't like all these all these aqua kids wearing their pants real low, real baggy, <laughs> you know? They already have Avatar 2 in Atlantis. They do. That's They've unfair. got the whole... He's at, he, it's such a scam, dude. They have Avatar <laughs> 1 through 8. Oh, shit. He's just slow playing it on land. He's very prolific underwater. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, the <laughs> number someday don't get my avatar. <laughs> doing the lighthouse right now? <laughs> <laughs> is this the, light ha- uh, the I'm lighthouse? James Cameron. <laughs> I've got all of the avatars in my boat oh, under the ocean. Yeah, I love your lobster. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you know that off the coast of California, there's spiny lobster, but spiny lobster doesn't have claws? Yeah, you know, I think I, I think I did know that. Yeah. I don't know why. What's up with that? Um, what makes them spiny? Just like their carapace? Yeah. Aren't all lobsters spiny? Well, uh, so, yeah, I don't know why they get called spiny lobsters, but they're not actually even true lobsters. Oh, okay. It's just we eat them. Yeah. And they're kind of big and red. Yeah. And we're like, good enough. Good enough. <laughs> good enough. Uh, anyway. In California, we don't like some other state having a thing we can't have. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, we got to have mounds. We got to have oceans and deserts and shit. Yeah. Maine got lobster. We got lobster. That's Maine. not a lobster. No, smack. <laughs> this is a lobster. It's a spiny one. Yeah. It's why Maine was running around and they're like, oh, we got maple syrup. And, so, and Vermont's got maple syrup. And we're yeah. like, agave nectar, bitch. Like, yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's excellent. Or if you're like me, you just throw the maple syrup off the table. Like, I don't eat this. Yeah. I want butter. <laughs> <laughs> you waffles with butter. That's it delicious okay so aquaculture you can grow kelp farms for carbon sequestration but realistically a lot of us already grow kelp farms yeah commercially the chosun dynasty used to grow kelp it goes back it goes back a long ways a lot of people eat kelp yeah and so in the natural context as we've discussed in the last episode kelp does not normally grow alone yeah right it grows with several other species it's got a full ecosystem that has a lot of checks and balances yeah and it's possible that the introduction of some of those checks and balances into commercial kelp farms right. can actually help you in a lot of different ways. Right. This kind of farm where we're mixing several things together is called an integrated multitrophic aquaculture. Nice. Or IMTA. 
Nice. Okay. And word-wise, integrated means, hey, we're going to mix them together, right? Mm. Multitrophic means several kind of food web levels. Okay. Right? Because each one of those is called a trophic level. Right. So you're including photosynthesis dudes and then some dudes that might eat the photosynthesis dudes and then right. some dudes that might eat those guys. That makes right? sense. Like, just as an example, you could have the kelp, right? And we mm-hmm. could use kelp for all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You could have the right type of urchin, right? Yeah. The tasty urchin. Sure, you can sure. get uni out of them. And then you could have the otters and you could hunt the otters for fur. Of course. Right. You better. (laughs) (laughs) All of that wonderful fur. And now we have a multitrophic environment. That's true. Yes. That's not a good example of one we actually do, but that is an example. Well, historically, it's how we mostly did it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we didn't set them up. We just exploited the natural (laughs) one that existed. Right. right. But yes, yes, that is how one might do a thing like that. They are typically a little bit complicated to set up. And so you want to make sure that if you're going to do it, Economically, people are only going to do it if there's some kind of benefit, right? Like, right. I mean, just like realistically, farmers are not going to like fucking. It's like, oh wow, it's so cool that like yeah. we can mix some shit together and like yeah, make yeah. less like, money. Like, you know yeah, I- look, we can have corn and locusts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in some iterations of the IMTA methodology, yeah. the kelp farm. Inta. Yeah, Inta. That's how people call IPAs at the bar. They're like IPA. Like, ah, uh, quiero ipa. Oh, nice. I'll be nice. like, I'll be like, you get out of here. <laughs> this is a, America. We we have IMTAs. Imta sounds like a like a phase of a Zumba dance or something like mm. that. It's like everyone's Imta. A, yeah. <laughs> okay, now get in your Imta mode, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing yeah, it. Sure, sure. Um, so the kelp farm in some iterations is grown interspersed with like lines of growing bivalves, like oyster, abalone, mussels, or scallops. Yeah. So because we already have farms for like mussels and stuff right. like that right that's a sweetheart deal and we have farms for kelp yeah bring your two hands together right and now you need everything groups. okay yeah. and that can be kind of nice because bivalves are filter feeders and they can feed on some of the stuff that might be feeding on dead or decaying bits of kelp you right know, like you're growing a kelp farm not 100 of that kelp is going to live right every right. once in a while you have a little bit die off some... well the bivalves can feed on that and so they can grow better Right. right. And they also do a really good job filter feeding the water. So the water actually stays much cleaner when you have the bivalves around. That's cool. So that can help keep the kelp healthy. Yeah. Right? They can also sequester their own carbon and lower the pH. Yes. A little bit. Right. Because oh. these bivalves shellfish. Yeah. Right? They got them shells. Yeah. Well, they have to make the shells out of something. Right. And what they make it out of is uh, calcium carbonate. That's cool. And the carbonate part has carbon yeah. from carbon dioxide that's in the water. I'm always taking it back at how intelligently designed our uh, nature is, you know? <laughs> you piece of shit. Why are you doing this? Yeah, I haven't done it in a while either. That's true. That's true. You just, you like to pepper them in. You like to pepper them in. You used to do it a lot more, actually. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. You, it was like First every fucking episodes. episode you figured yeah, out yeah, a way yeah. to slip that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a little more quiet about my uh, Christianity because of cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had to... You had to... America's not safe for men of faith. <laughs> you had to bury that deep into your bunker. Keep that one locked down. All right, anyway. So keep telling me about the intelligent design of these aquacultures. <laughs> no, no. They're intelligently designed by people. Ah, uh, the aquacultures. I yeah, see, yeah, I see, yeah, I see, yeah, yeah. I see. Who um, designed by God? <laughs> um, so th- that's one synergy that already exists, okay? Right. So there are areas where they will grow, often in sort of a layered way. Yeah. Uh, some shellfish by themselves closer to shore, and then a mix of kelp and shellfish a little bit further out. Nice. And then just kelp forest a little bit further out than that. Where's like a place they're doing this? China. China? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a particular bay in China mm. that's like 
kind of like really nicely shaped to have these particular zones of nutrients and everything. And so they have like a really almost strict setup for like different zones of what they're growing where. Damn. Including the next part that I'm going to talk about, which is an even more complex multi-level situation. Is this stuff like studied? Like how's it going? Oh yeah, it's studied. Uh, Is it going good? Yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty smart. Like, it's always studied in relatively specific contexts. Yeah. And so, for example, what they found is that in the areas where you're growing the shellfish and the kelp together, it has slightly higher ocean pH, which means a little bit less ocean acidification. Right. In the localized area. That's good. And so, yeah, that is good. Doesn't really. help coral since coral's not there, though, right? Because, like, mm. you have kelp and shellfish. Yeah, it's going to be hard for humans to do anything on the scale that's going to impact the entire ocean enough right. for, like, that kind of thing to happen, right? That's tough. That's a tough ask. Yeah. But it does help the local area right. in slightly increasing the pH. Okay. So that's one thing. But then also, you know, they get good yields of their shellfish. Right. Which is the part that people really like to eat. Yeah. I mean, in East Asia, people like kelp. So like, yeah. that's not that big a problem. But yeah. globally, right. people love to suck down on those shellfish. Right. That's true. You know? Whereas some people, they don't eat quite so much kelp as other people. Right. Um, but, but anyway, anyway. So we you, have, can, you can add an extra level. Right. Whoa. Okay. And for this... You get extra synergy if you're also talking about farmed fish. I like synergy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You got to fucking with your revenue streams. You know what I mean? Yes. So farmed fish. That's a thing. Yeah. Do people know about that? I actually like farmed salmon. Sure. There's like cages and shit. Big, 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 big cages. Yeah. And you have the fish swimming around in there and you toss in a bunch of food and the fish eat up that food. Yeah. And they're kind of in a localized area. So it's easier to get them again later. People farm caviar of a high quality. Sure. People farm all kinds of fish stuff now. One of the things, though, about farmed fish is that you dump a bunch of food in, but, like, the fish don't eat all the food you dump in. That's true. Right? And then once they do eat the part of the food they do eat, then they shit a lot and they piss a lot. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff kind of happening in that water. That water... Well, kelp likes that. Uh, Kelp likes some of those things, nitrogen and phosphorus. Love shit. Uh, Kelp's and a then, little pervert. Kelp's a pervert boy. And then also bivalves. Yeah. The shellfish also like some of that stuff. Wow, another group of little perverts. And bacteria and plankton like that stuff. And bivalves like to eat those things too. Yeah. So basically, if you set it up so you have farmed fish. Yeah. And then you also have shellfish and kelp. Yeah. In the sort of the area around the farmed fish cage. Yeah. All of those other things grow really well hmm. and help keep basically algal blooms from happening okay well that's probably really important in china yeah i'm just imagining now just the three gorges you know dam and the river there it's probably a lot of nitrate and phosphate just right into the ocean and so just again for people what these algal blooms are yeah is when you have like really nutrient rich water flowing into an area where algae can grow algae the basically single-celled photosynthetic organisms that i mean yeah whatever seaweed and kelp are also algae a lot of the times yeah especially kelp is brown algae but these are single celled like plankton yeah they can grow really fast all of a sudden so you get this huge growth of them because they got all these yummy nutrients they're eating up all this fish poop they're eating up all this fertilizer or whatever the fuck that's in the water it's got nitrogen and phosphorus and so they just grow a huge amount yeah and then the food's all gone yeah and then they die yeah and then bacteria starts eating their corpses yeah okay and the bacteria then use up all of the oxygen in the water because they're respiring they're eating a bunch of food and you basically make an oxygen dead zone yeah so if there were any fish living in the nearby area 
Those fish are all fucking dead. They suffocated yeah. in the water. Okay. Wow. So the point then is like, okay, a lot of farmed fish run the risk of causing algal blooms nearby. Right. Because they don't eat all their food. They poop out a lot of stuff that these um, algae can like. eat. You know? Right. But bivalves can compete for food and also just straight up eat the plankton. Right. Right. And so actually having the bivalves there, the oysters diminishes and all that Diminishes that a lot. Diminishes the risk of algal blooms. And then the kelp can also compete and grow using all of those nutrients. So really, when you have those three things together, okay, fish, shellfish, kelp, you kind of really get this you nice situation. Shit. You're using up all of the nutrients that you're dumping in in the feed. You're still getting your fish to grow, but you're keeping the water clean. You don't have these algal blooms ruining that chunk of the ocean. Yeah. It's a real beautiful type situation. I need to hear the butt. Because this is too good to be true, right? Like, this sounds so juicy. I guess the but here is that it's complicated to set up. Mm. It's complicated to set up. It's not as right. straightforward as just like, hey, here's the fucking cage. Right. There's some fish in it. and we You need like there. a Chinese kid, went to Harvard, like just like a fucking, just like Mozart on an Akibus, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, simple hoppers like you and me, you can't figure this one out. Like, you need some really smart Chinese kids. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I think it's just, uh... You, you ever seen a little Chinese kid on that? dude? Ding dong, ding dong. Abacus? <laughs> yeah. I think you'd be a lot better at it if you knew what the word was. I would just play with them. You I know, remember you actually... went to school. I, I went to a little school to learn how to use the abacus. And I was like, I could actually... <laughs> I was doing the math fine in my head. Like, I, I, uh, so yeah, I got yeah, really yeah. frustrated because I was like, moving these little fuckers around takes <laughs> right, me more time right. than just like doing this in my head. Yeah. Uh, so then I quit. Yeah, yeah, I quit. yeah. Mom yes. made you do a bunch of like Asian shit. Yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny because I'm like so much more Asian now than you. you what? Know? Yeah, yeah, No. Yeah. yeah, like I'm watching the new JoJo. Oh, wow. Well. There's actually <laughs> a stand in the new JoJo that's a consciousness made of millions of plankton. Oh. It's pretty cool. That's cool. Turns into a hot girl. Oh, shit. Japan meets science. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens every time Japan meets science. You gotta see the new JoJo. You gotta see JoJo. We need to do like a marathon. We need to stream a marathon. Petri Dish listener, stream JoJo with me and Sean. Veteran viewer, new time viewer, Stacy the Chaos. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That could actually be kind of fun. That could be fun. All right. All we right. should do that on like a weekend day just for a few hours or something. Sure. Oh my god, sure? Sure. That's a yes in the vernacular. That that is technically, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, guys. You got uh, got a treat. You're looking forward to it. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to have a real short segment to end out the episode, kind of alluding to something we were just talking about, which is bioremediation. Oh my god, guys, this Christmas put down the gun because you you got something to look forward to. (laughs) You got to calm down. (laughs) Get ready. For the seventh season of HBO's hit show, Jimmy Coconuts, Nuts Unknown. Extreme Coconuts! You've seen him smuggle coconuts out from the Forbidden City. Niao, niao, cha cha cha! us! You've seen him wrestle coconut lions! Oh, that's a lion! Now, Jimmy takes on a challenge he's never faced before. Fatherhood. This season on Nuts Unknown. Exclusively on HBO!
It is a long episode, baby, but kelp. <laughs> well, we're, we're also, we're almost done with this. I mean, honestly, we mm. did not split up the sections oh. into equal parts. You know yeah, but I mean? that was juice. Uh, yeah, sure. That yeah. was juice. That but was Jamba juice. Also, I want to say, with this JoJo thing, the yeah. more you're excited about it, the less I want to do it. So you got to calm down. Yeah, we guys are going to do this JoJo thing. I'm going to watch JoJo, like, whatever. Okay, okay. I got this very, I got this mentality, like, I see you very excited. I get worried that it's going to be much longer than I'm anticipating. Send me your holidays, kid. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Now, you could also remedy biology with kelp, right? <laughs> um, so, what bioremediation is... <laughs> yeah, okay, we're talking about bioremediation. <laughs> yes. Before I confuse uh, too many people. The remediation part is like fixing up polluted shit. Yeah. Okay? And the bio part is using some kind of biological organism to do the fixer-upper. Right. Right. It's like where you get gorillas to take care of the snakes that took care of the lizards. And then winter takes care of the gorillas. Yeah. All of that's bioremediation, right? <laughs> I get if if the lizards were pollution, then yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you like lizards. I know, but in the context of that Simpsons episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. The Simpsons already did it. Yep. Simpsons already did Peachy Dish. They've done everything, man. Yeah. Okay. So this directly links back to what we were just talking about with the aquaculture part. Yeah. Okay. Because in a sense, you are using the bivalves and the kelp as bioremediation for the downstream effects of farming fish. Yeah. Right. You're trying to prevent those algal blooms. So and you're trying to purify that water some. Right. Yeah. And so that's what you're using the bivalves and the kelp for. Yeah. That's great, but you can use it for a lot of other kinds of polluted stuff. Okay. Like polluted waters, basically. Yeah. Right? So we'd be using kelp and seaweed to clean up waters that might have the nitrogen and phosphorus that we were talking about from the farm fish or from regular farming, okay. right? A lot of times you'll have farms and in rains and stuff like that, fertilizer will run into the streams and right. waters and then go out to the ocean and you'll get this big concentration of nitrogen and phosphorus out there. Unless you have some kelp. Right. Yeah. Unless you have kelp. In which case, that can kind of, you know, they can soak up some of that nitrogen and phosphorus yeah. and actually grow themselves. How it's efficacious kind of a win -win. is this? I mean, does kelp really outcompete algae blooms? That's why it helps to have the bivalves around. Because right. as basically, then it's a double whammy. Right. They are in competition, but yeah. algal blooms typically can outcompete kelp because right. they are single cell. They can grow faster. They're a little bit more efficient with that. Yeah. But if the bivalves are there eating them, right, at the same time, that's harder. Right. And then you give the kelp a chance to actually beat them out. Right? Okay. And so that's why, you know, so you can have setups like that where you have these living organisms trying to eat up all that nitrogen and phosphorus. Cool. But there's other kinds of pollution, like heavy metals and chemicals and shit, right, mm. that can be in water. And so for heavy metals, you know, like cadmium and nickel and cobalt and whatever, you know, like all right. those fucking like big ass metals and stuff that we use in electronics and everything. Yeah. That can end up in the waters. Yeah. That's probably not good for stuff. Huh? I mean, it's definitely not good for people. I'll say that much. Right, right, right. Like lead also. Lead is a heavy metal. We know that one. That yeah. one's not so great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 60s. Oh. Very peaceful time. No. Oh, You know, so and lead, lead was good. Oh, Everyone had lead God. in the 50s and the 60s was great. Yeah, we had all that leaded gasoline. It was yeah, in the yeah, air. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah, yeah, Um. So kelp and seaweed have a lot of what are called polysaccharides in their cell walls. Right. And polysaccharides, that just means complicated sugars that they're making during their photosynthesis and taking the carbon dioxide and shoving that in there, right? Right. So they have all these polysaccharides in their cell walls. And these polysaccharides have little chemical groups on them that like to bind up what are called metal cations. Okay. Or little atoms that have a plus two charge on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those things, like calcium, get trapped up in the seaweed. Yeah. But, wait, what? Oh, because cat. 
Oh, I actually okay. met a cat that was quite cute recently because I really, really can't stand. I hate cats, but it was this little hairless cat that was a kitten and is playing with our hair because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen long hair before. Yep, it was really, really adorable. Actually. What's this cat's name? Uh, Stacy, does this cat have a name or is it just cat? It has a name, but I can't remember. Jimmy, it's Jimmy. So this Jimmy, the cat. Yep. Jimmy, Jimmy's a good cat. Yeah, okay, and it kind of changed my mind on cats a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. like from from they all need to die to you permit you their keep existence. keep one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cell walls of these kelp and seaweeds are able to bind up some of these metals, actually. Oh, that's cool. So things like chromium, nickel, arsenic, lead can all actually kind of almost get, like, sucked into the cell walls of kelp as the kelp is growing. This is probably why East Asians live so long, dude. Probably because they eat kelp, which gives them back the nickel they need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just sound. Like yeah. <laughs> and, and the kelp also, you know, cleans the nickel oh, that's bad for them. Oh, yeah, out of their butts. Because it's not really like all nickel's bad. Right, like it's good nickel and bad nickel, you know, right? Uh, <laughs> Just like democracy. That's it's great. Good democracy and bad democracy. That's probably true. Bad democracy is when my guy doesn't win. <laughs> anyway. Um, great. Uh, So depending on the kelp and the heavy metal you're trying to get rid of, sometimes just growing the kelp in the wastewater yeah. will result in that metal getting like, like sucked up into that kelp. Mm. Okay. But in some cases... It's the sound you make whenever you see me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Has anyone ever seen a dick go in on itself? Yeah, that's a, I was just going to say, that's, that's my balls like entering back into my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, danger, danger. <laughs> <laughs> Open the hangar doors. <laughs> uh, so, some heavy metals, though... They don't really like to get absorbed by kelp in its natural form. Sure. But what you can do is you can dry the kelp and then acid treat it a little bit. And that kind of opens up the pores. And then you just dump it back in? Yeah. And then you basically like toss that into wastewater. Because there's like wastewater treatment plants. Oh, that's cool. You can basically take dried kelp, chuck it in the big pool of wastewater. And that dried kelp will actually suck up those metal ions and make it so that, you know, it cleans out the wastewater. And if you're in China, you could thus sell that back to like Burma or something. Yep. And be like, Chinese wastewater kelp. And they're like, give me anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the Burmese people. Yeah. Burmese yeah. <laughs> dude. Light a, light a candle, dude. That's <laughs> no, um, not funny. Um, <laughs> um, is that a more efficient way to treat water? Then I don't know. Well, like so sometimes machine. Or so, so some things that they use is like activated charcoal, mm. which is basically a certain kind of way of forming charcoal, so that it has a lot of pores in it. Yeah. So that stuff can get trapped inside. Well, charcoal is really good for the environment. Is charcoal bad for the environment? I was kind of being facetious, but I guess I I realize now I don't I don't really know what to do. With there, there are some ways of making what's called biochar. Oh, biochar. That, that might actually not be that bad of a way of fixing some carbon because activated charcoal is like straight up carbon. Biochar is solid a, carbon. Biochar is a spiritual sequel to Guild Wars that takes place a thousand years after the first game, wow. where you play char in space. Wait, doesn't Guild Wars 2 already take place like a thousand years after Guild Wars 1? Two thousand years. Whatever they get space. Wow. All right, I like apparently it. those guys don't develop quick. Oh, I don't know. There's some fucking dudes in Guild Wars 2 that they got like fucking zapper guns and shit. Those dudes are going to make a rocket soon. I okay, believe it. Okay, I Then fine. It. It's only 20 years after Guild Wars Thank 2. Thank you. <laughs> You're deeper on my Guild Wars that, lore. That I should have known who I was talking that, to. That was very important for me. <laughs> um... Uh, Dude, how many people yeah. do you so, think? <laughs> zero <six>. people. <laughs> um, so you know, 
there might be other competitors out there. Yeah. But if we end up generating a shitload of kelp for other reasons, this wouldn't be a bad way to use that kelp. Because, again, we wouldn't be eating it in that case. Yeah. We'd be drying out the kelp and then using it for this stuff and then probably, like, I don't know, burying it somewhere or some yeah. kind of shit. And so, you know, that could be a good way to use up some of that kelp and not release that CO2 back to the environment. Yeah. So, good job, Nathan. Oh, good job, Sean. We did it. All right. Oh. So, next episode, we're going to be talking about kelp in terms of what we can get out of it. Like, so let's say we do have a kelp farm. Right. And then we decide to harvest that kelp instead of sinking it to the bottom. What can you do with it? What can you do with it? Sometimes you can munch on it. Yeah. Right? But then there's a bunch of other shit, right? We're going to talk about alginate. We're going to talk about feeding it to animals. Yeah. Medicine. Biofuel. Yeah. Okay. Lots of options and all of that stuff. That's next time. Mm. That's next time. So people are going to have to come back. An episode I can understand. Wow. Very exciting. So Stacy, thank you. Thank you, Stacy, our sound lord engineer. Yep. And thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Okay. Griff, Courtney, Peyton, Andy. We want our commercial. Oh, yeah. We got we to gotta go look into that. Yeah. What the fuck? Anyway. <laughs> um... And then, uh, hey, we got an email address. It's PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got a Twitter account. It's at DishPodcast. Yeah. We got an OnlyFans. Yeah. Slash PetriDish. If that's how that works. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Zip your pants back up. <laughs> um, and then uh, Patreon.com slash PetriDish if you want to give us a dollar or more or something like that per month. Mm. That's a thing that you can do. Mm. I believe in you. You could probably have an OnlyFans. It'd be like a science-themed OnlyFans uh, oh, yeah. and hairy feet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was trying to think about how to work feet into it. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty sure that would have to be a part of the equation. Yeah, yeah. I, feet get worked into all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of our ideas for some reason. Yeah. Um, okay, everybody. Well, then we will see you next time for our third and final episode on that Kelpie-type thing. Mm-hmm. Just in time for the holidays, dude. Mm, bye. Holiday Kelp. Holiday Kelp.